If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Xbox and Bethesda Showcase right here on IGN Summer of Gaming. Once again, I'm Ryan McCaffrey, host of IGN's weekly Xbox show Podcast Unlocked. And for the next hour, or maybe even a little more, we're going to be recapping everything we just saw. There was a lot. I am joined once again by my fellow Unlocked panelists, Miranda Sanchez, Stella Chung, and Destin Laguerre. Let's start there. Uh, we finally got to see Starfield. I mean, let's just continue where the showcase left off. This game has been such a long time coming. We still don't have a date yet, which is what I thought in the pre-show, that we wouldn't quite get a new date yet. But uh, this game looks enormous. Destin, I want to start with you. We were all sort of chattering throughout that, and uh, it's a little bit of one common theme. Yeah. Uh, it reminded me a lot of No Man's Sky. <laughs> That's not <laughs> yeah. a bad thing. Yeah, no. so I, I really enjoyed No Man's Sky, being able to travel to all the different planets. And they, they said 100 systems. So let's say each of those systems has three locations. That's 300 destinations that you can go to in Starfield. I really enjoyed the space combat, but it did seem like there were some optimization issues with the game, which explains the delay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Stella, the, the scope there that Todd Howard kind of wanted to drop the mic at the end and like, oh, you're wondering how big this game is? Let oh, me show yeah. you how big this game is. Yeah, I saw the system that you start out and I was like, oh, that's not too bad. And then they kept expanding and expanding. I was like, please stop, stop, like that's enough. Um, yeah, I don't know, I mean, this, I'm, I'm, we got Starfield. I'm glad we got it. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, I, I feel a little bit disappointed. I think that that is actually, I've, I've had time to process my feelings and I think I do feel a little bit disappointed. Um, it looks gorgeous. Like the environments look great. Yeah. But I think I'm not a huge fan of how the enemy health bars look. I'm going to get, can, am I allowed to get picky? Like about I stuff? mean, I guess sure. it's, what they, it's what they yeah. showed. We've okay, got cool. plenty of time. Okay. <laughs> We're going to talk at Starfield for a while before we get to the rest of everything. Okay, cool. So yeah. Dig in. I don't like the way that they do the enemy health bars. I think it's, I don't know if it's like the overlay or the, the colors that they picked, but I feel like it kind of takes me out of the whole combat experience. Would you want to turn that off in the on the HUD if you can? Maybe. Or have it be kind of like a line at the top instead, instead yeah. of it being like a solid bar right above the enemy. Right. Um, for some reason, that kind of just takes me out of it. Um, I think that, I think everything looks really cool with um, the new environments, the new cities. I love that look. I, I know we were talking about the hub world kind of reminding us of Mass Effect, which is yeah. what we love. Um, I genuinely hope this story is good and compelling, which I loved Fallout 4's story, got completely engrossed in it, so I'm hopeful. But after seeing gameplay, I'm just like, the story better be good for yeah. me. 
And on that note, like they didn't really focus on storytelling at all, and yeah. that's like the main hook for games like Fallout, for games like you they, know Elder Scrolls. They had a, a little bit there. I think it was also hard for us to hear in the studio, just so everybody knows. We were watching like a screen that's very far away, and we're like <laughs> blasting the sound, and we can try to hear it. Um, but they, they did talk a little bit about it as far as like those artifacts that they're trying to find and the exploration and yeah. then you sort of had like an allusion to the different factions of like, oh, we don't actually want to go out and fight and just kill a bunch of people. Or like, oh, these people over here are like straight up just pirates, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I think there was like a touch of it, but it wasn't necessarily the focus to your point. What I wanted was a hook. Like, why am I as a character interested in investing in any of these factions? Because we've known about the factions. We've known about New right. Atlantis and these locations and mm -hmm. a brief uh, bit of lore about each. But what's what's that narrative hook that's going to get you to go out and go explore? See, I, I would counter. I'm, I'm, a, I'm much more bullish on this. This is I'm going to talk more about this game <laughs> later. But this yeah. this made me very, very happy. I think I think we're like the table is split. Yeah, yeah like, whereas me and you, I am so excited for and, what they showed. And let me tell you, Dustin, so what I would say is not, not that I don't want a great narrative, and I hope that's in there, but uh, The Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion is one of my favorite games of all time. I love Skyrim too, but Oblivion is just near and dear to my heart. And uh, the first time I played through it, I sort of went through the story slowly and you know kind of just picked and chose as, as I went on but then when I did a replay I blew through the story first because I thought the story was the least awesome part of that game and the open world stuff in Cyrodiil and Oblivion was the was the best part of the game and 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 it, it still was a, a you know nine or ten out of ten video game for me even without the strongest narrative necessarily so yeah, I agree. We didn't get necessarily a sense of that, of what the story actually is here, but based on what's been shown off, I mean, the, the, the sense of scale and exploration, I mean, to me, this, uh, Miranda, I want to hear more from you on this. To me, this was, this was like not only an amalgamation of every Todd Howard game that's ever been made, both on the Fallout and on the Elder Scrolls side, but, but uh, certainly some newer influences like No Man's Sky as well. And to me, it all came together into really a, a wondrous thing, which is wonder is what I want out of a yeah. Todd Howard Bethesda game. I, I think too, like, yes, the story, the factions, the people, they're really important. But one of the things I've always really loved about Fallout is that sense of exploration, that ownership in that exploration. Like, this is my story. This is my weapons. This is my dog. We're going out. We're going to go build a town and it's going to be cute. Or, you know, plates are going to fall through the table. Who knows? But hopefully they don't. And when we were watching, I was like, man, I hope they bring certain elements to this. Because, you know, they, they could start fresh. They could just change a bunch of mechanics. They don't necessarily have to bring things forward. But I was like, you know, I hope we still have, like, that base kind of community set up. I, I really like that. I know it wasn't, like, the biggest thing for yeah. everybody in Fallout 4. But for me, I just really liked having that sort of extra layer of, like, this is a place I want to protect, and it's important to me for a very specific reason. And I got to put that together. I got to have, like, a space in the wasteland for me and my people. Yeah. And with this, when they're like, all right, you get to set up, you know, your, your bases, your stations. And I was like, oh, okay, that's great. And they're like, also, your spaceships. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Well, was, you were calling it out but in the middle yeah. of the presentation. You were like, I hope that I can build my own house. And then here yep. comes the settlement yeah. builder. Yeah, I think especially because it's not just, you know, making something that makes sense as far as like a mining facility that's going to continue getting your resources for research. Like there's all these aspects, like even though it's like, yeah, I want to play house. But, <laughs> you know, like this has a very firm use and it's not just about having a cool town. It's about having a town that does something for you. It's like you're putting people, like giving them work to do to help like, further your research and further your exploration. I think that's so cool. 
And then, of course, the spaceship part, I was like, oh, maybe you can just like customize your cabin. No, 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 no. You build your spaceship. Yeah. You do everything, which was uh, just another layer that I was really surprised to see. I will say, I'm, my, I'm hoping that the space, spaceship combat stuff isn't as shallow as like the Mako and Mass Effect <laughs> yeah. 1, where it's yeah. like you just kind of do it a few times and then you're like, all right, I'm bored with this. I never want to do it again. But speaking of Mass Effect, Destin, there, yeah. were, there were definitely some Mass Effect-y echoes. <laughs> your IGN's resident Mass Effect super fan. Uh, yeah, I mean, like with the with the spaceship exploration, I suppose, or the like, what are you alluding to? Well, the the city that they touched down in very oh. much gave me a Mass Effect vibe. Yeah, so I believe that's the area of the world where they describe it as more political, and you're trying to like play nice with everybody in the universe. I, and then uh, New Atlantis, I believe, is the name of the Correct. location. Mm -hmm. uh, there's another location where they're actually farming psychotropic fish or something like that and selling drugs. <laughs> So I want to like get into the seedier area yeah. of this game. I know there's going to be narrative hooks in the game, right? Like they've alluded to it enough. So I'm I'm excited about that aspect. But uh, also the spaceship stuff you you talked about that actually has me quite intrigued because I want to make the exact spaceship how I want to make it, and I think it's going to help you with your combat, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. I'm I'm hoping we get like a little lamplight moment, mm -hmm. you know, Fallout. It's just, I think just finding something weird, like something that's like, what is happening here and getting to dig into that through space. Like, even if it's not on a planet, I think that the exploration thing is, you guys, I lead the guides team here at IGN and we're oh, going to yeah. be very busy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, th I think just seeing like, okay, well, what is there? Like, what is there to miss? Like, how much in depth are these like different systems going to have? Like, what are the stories that we could find? There isn't more about resources. Um, but I think they had like a very, or Todd Howard gave a very good explanation of like, oh, well, this is the Goldilocks planet. Like, this is where everybody is, but this one's just about resources. So I think having that sort of as an idea of like, okay, well, peppered here and there, there are things for you to find. But the question, of course, is how much is that throughout everything and how weird is it going to get? <laughs> that's what I want to know. Yeah, that's really funny because in Fallout 4, you could explore that fallen sh uh, spaceship mm -hmm. and now you're literally in space so what do you do it's not like aliens are a weird thing so yeah hopefully there's something cool to discover i love all the customization stuff i love that i know that there is going to be a story that is probably going to be good but i just want to know more information on it because i'm like why am i motivated to protect this you know this civilization that i'm creating why am i motivated to build a spaceship to go out even further um i am so afraid that they are doing a little bit too much and not everything will be done well because there's just so much to this game and I'm like, I want this to do well. I want this to be fun. I want it to be good. And I'm every time they showed something new, I'm like, that is a lot. That's that's gonna be a lot to handle. Please take your time I on mean, this game. <laughs> I, I understand that concern because I think as gamers we have that about a lot of big anticipated games. Yeah. But I guess what I would say to hopefully put your mind at ease and hopefully proves true <laughs> is remember this is Todd Howard and the Bethesda Game Studios team have been working on this for going on now seven years, because Fallout 4 was 2015. And yes, they, you know, they sort of chipped in on Fallout 76, but that wasn't their game. Mm -hmm. that, was, that was out of Texas. So th this has been a long, like they've had ample time to make all of those things good, <laughs> as, you're, yeah. as you're saying. Uh, and, and Destin, I know uh, you were mentioning fac the faction stuff before. Mm -hmm. Like, that could potentially be some of the best parts of this game. Like, if you go back again to Oblivion, my favorite Todd Howard game, all of the faction quests were the best stuff, like the, the, the Fighters Guild, Thieves Guild, the Dark Brotherhood, all that, those were arguably some of the best quests 
in that game. So, you know, we could be going into those seedier alleys, uh, in, yeah. uh, space alleys in this game. Well, I mean, just to be really straightforward here, I think because I'm able to draw so many correlations to No Man's Sky, it's detract from that. If No Man's Sky didn't exist, I would be blown away by the concept of this game and what is possible here. But the fact that he like mines, uses a mining laser <laughs> yeah. and a rock, yeah. and I put so much time into No Man's Sky, and then there's space combat. I'm like, okay, I've done that, and I've done this, but it's a prettier version of what that product was with you know, a storytelling element. And that's why I think the storytelling is so important. I agree, I mean, but, yeah. but as, as awesome as No Man's Sky has become over the years with, mm -hmm. with Sean Murray and the Hello Games team building it up, uh, a more a fleshed out role-playing version of that with like a whole thick RPG layer on yeah. top, wouldn't be the worst thing in the no, world. No, no. Yeah. We, we should also talk about the character creation because I really liked how that was looking. Um, I wish I actually want to go and see how they scrub through all the options because whenever there's a slider for, for presents, I'm always like, all right, how much do you actually have here? Is it just like seven options? Is this like a hundred options? So I think that's pretty cool being able to make your character, but I really loved the personality bits. So it's like your background, like the, we saw like a whole list of them. It's like, oh, you're a diplomat. Oh, yes. you're... You know, and then like in that you get to choose, choose your traits. It's like, oh, I'm an introvert. And I'm like, what? <laughs> introvert in space. Like, of course. But also it's just, I think, really funny to see that. Yeah, I don't know if it, we can. They're right there. If we can, yeah. I don't know if we can pause on this. But look at this. Beast hunter, bounce, mm -hmm. all, these, all these professions, bounty hunter, chef. There were so many different yeah. things. And, and I love that that feeds into sort of your starting skills. Mm -hmm. It does seem like, yeah, I mean. Well, it, feel, it feels like there's so much DNA. cool stuff in here. It feels like a repurposing of the special system and the of perk course. system from the Fallout franchise, right. but obviously with space themes. So like a chef, I'm guessing, is going to make more health potions, right? Or Better food crafting. options, <laughs> yeah, uh, that restores more health. I'm really curious to go through and pause all of these and see like yeah. what each does. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it'd be really cool if they let you like build these out on the website or something soon. Yeah. I think that would be sort of a, a fun thing to do ahead of the gaming. Kind of like what Saints Row has let people yeah. do. Yeah, mm -hmm. that'd be super cool. That would be wise. Uh, yeah, I, there, it does seem like based on those character creation screens that there aren't going to be a lot of duplicate characters at all, like your, <laughs> yeah. your, your friends aren't gonna have the same character you right. have. And I'm not even talking about appearance, I'm talking about like skills and traits right. and the professions and such. Well, so. somebody will figure out the <laughs> optimal strategy and so there well, will that's probably part be duplicates of, the fun. of those built. <laughs> uh, well, we need to take a quick break, but there is plenty more Xbox and Bethesda news to go over when we get back. So, Podcast Unlocked on IGN Summer of Gaming will be back right after this. This week's Podcast Unlocked is brought to you by NordVPN. Hey. If you're watching a lot of sports like me and you hate blackouts, NordVPN is a great way to go. You can use NordVPN, a virtual private network, to watch live sporting events, TV shows, films that aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location to a country that is showing that event. No more blackouts. It's also good for plenty of other stuff like protecting your private data, your bank details, your passwords, your online identity. You can protect your data while you're traveling and using public Wi-Fi. NordVPN protects you wherever you are in the world. NordVPN threat protection also protects you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. NordVPN is also the fastest VPN in the world. No buffering or lagging while you're streaming, and it will stop your ISP bandwidth throttling. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month, so that is a super affordable, great way to go. 
To get the best discount off of your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash unlocked without the E. That's N-O-R-D-V-P-N.com slash U-N-L-O-C-K-D. And that'll give you four extra months on the two-year plan. And best of all, there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. NordVPN.com slash unlocked without the E. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Podcast Unlocked, coverage of the Microsoft and Bethesda Showcase. Now, we got lots of great reveals and announcements today. Uh, one of the biggest one broke the rule of the entire show of, oh, this is the next 12 months of Xbox. There was one thing at the end that wasn't, and that was Hideo Kojima. Uh, Stella, this is a big... I mean, it's Xbox fans have been wanting to see Kojima on their platform yeah. for a long time. We don't know anything about the video game yet, but nope. what do you... I mean, what, <laughs> what could this possibly... I mean, it's going to be a while. We know that yeah. much. Um, well, uh, it's... <laughs> It's going to be more spooky stuff, so I mean, yay! <laughs> but I'm really excited. I mean, it's been really good to see Kojima just kind of lean into his full creative mind, and like he seems really excited to be working on his next project. So, honestly, whatever announcements slowly come out, I hope they come out on his terms and aren't leaks, and he gets to right. take his time and fully create what it is that he's envisioning, because I want to be able to see what he's going to create. I mean, he has such an interesting mind that I want to be able to see what he's creating in the format that he wants to reveal it. You know? Destin, we have a code name for this, do we not, that leaked? Uh, I don't remember the code Overdose, name. correct? Yes, Overdose, yes. you're right. But I do find it interesting that he brings up the cloud aspect at mm -hmm. Microsoft, because yeah. Microsoft has really been working on their cloud technology, and the long-running rumor was that Kojima and Kim Swift, who helped work on the Google Stadia platform, right. are partnering. And Portal before that, by the way. And created Portal, of course. Yeah, are partnering to develop whatever this new project is. So he does admit that it's going to take some time, but being on the Xbox stage and saying I'm making a whole new thing with Microsoft as a partner is a big deal because Kojima has traditionally been associated with Sony PlayStation. Right. Uh, Miranda, this is a Kojima's at the point in his career that, that he's earned where uh, you don't give him notes. He just has an idea and he runs with it. So, I mean, it's... It's hard. To, it's impossible to predict what this project could even be. Yes, I will say, I hope the promotion cycle for this is similar to Death Stranding because it was just very 
interesting in a fun way, right? Like I felt like every time that there was some sort of trailer or information drop, it was something to dissect and to decipher and to figure out like exactly what's happening. And then when we got the game itself, it was something that was really unique, honestly. Like I think, you know, the Strand game, right? Like the idea yeah. of like, oh, you're, you're playing through this game, but you have echoes of literally other people's like platforms or structures like bleeding into yours and they can like throw you health packs and boss fights. I really, really enjoyed Death Stranding. And so I'm ex excited to see what Kojima sees in the potential for cloud. Like I'm obviously not a game developer and I think there's a lot that we've seen as far as like concepts that are ideas for cloud gaming. And so I'm even more curious to see what he wants to accomplish that with a, with a really great team behind him as well. Well, Kojima's last appearance on the Xbox platform was Metal Gear Solid 5. Mm -hmm. So by the time this game comes out, it'll probably have been a decade since <laughs> Xbox gamers last uh, got to spend some time with a Kojima creation. So a big thing we talked about in the pre-show was what does does Xbox have anything any big exclusives for 2022 thankfully we now have a list and I thought it would be good to come full circle here and focus on that list and I appreciate our, our uh, behind the scenes team pulling up Phil Spencer brought this graphic up and I just like it went right by yeah. so I'm yeah. glad we can just stare at this for a minute of course the monitor's too far away for me to read that <laughs> can't read it uh, yeah. but yeah. there was one, there thank you oh what a great production team we have not all exclusive Correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what, the game on this, so I want to hit the highlights, uh, although the, the one when this screen did come up that jumped out at me was Somerville, because that's mm -hmm. from uh, some of the creators of Limbo and Inside. Mm -hmm. And we've had, actually, we had a, a Somerville trailer on the Xbox Showcase last year. So if, you haven't, if you're not familiar with it, like, ah, just go, go dig that up after the show, and you'll see, oh, yeah, this looks really good. But the highlights, so 2022, big stuff for, uh, meaning exclusive on Xbox. We have High on Life which that was one of my favorite things yes, of this entire was, show, Justin Roiland. Yes. I'm so excited. I had no, when I saw it, I was like, oh, it's like the Rick and Morty thing. Oh, okay, like it could be cool. I watched a few seasons of that, I liked it. It's just so weird, I love it. It just, it just screams creativity, and also the guns are kind of maybe screaming at you too, and that's, yeah. Yeah, I'm fine with that. It, it, Destin, it's a comedy first-person shooter, which there aren't a lot of those that exist. At first, I was like, oh, I'm not really gonna be into this, but as the trailer went on, I'm like, okay, the guns are sort of funny, like there's some humor there. It's really gory, it's weird, but fun, and I came away, surprisingly, having it as a, a notable game on my list of games I mean, that I enjoyed. The art direction on this is fantastic. It's, it's Unreal Engine. Uh, it's, you know, it's Justin Roiland's sense of humor, which I just have vibed, yeah. I've always vibed with. Yeah. I think his stuff is hilarious. <laughs> so, and that's, that's out this year. And that is, yeah. a, that is a console exclusive on Xbox. So that was a good one. And then we, we already know about, it wasn't in the showcase, but Warhammer 40K Darktide. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, so yeah, I have a preview of that hitting IGN. I think it's tomorrow. So uh, we've got that in September. Now, Destin, a Plague Tale Requiem. Yes. That's, uh, that's another one that, like, it's been kind of quiet for a bit, but mm -hmm. it's out this year. Yeah, Plague Tale is out on Xbox Game Pass if you want to play through the original. And it looks like this is a, a sequel that takes place a few years later. And uh, I really, really enjoyed the first one. I'm excited to see how they're focusing on stealth this time around, forcing you to, like, creep in the shadows a little bit more. But you actually have an... Uh, more abilities, you, like you've learned a lot from the first game. And we have seen already that there are much more open areas that you're going to be exploring. And it is, it is definitely one that has been on my list to keep an eye, of, eye on, and I'm really happy that it's coming to Game Pass Day 1. Uh, also in 2022 on Xbox, a bunch of DLC. So the next Flight Sim expansion, which looked gorgeous. The Hot Wheels DLC for Forza Horizon <laughs> yeah, 5, yes. Yeah. Uh, the Pit for Fallout 76. 
the uh, season seven of Sea of Thieves. But Miranda, another back to the list of full games. Yeah. I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring this one up with you specifically <laughs> because I know how much you love disgusting body horror, gross games like Scorn, which we got a date for October 21st. You, you see, I don't mind body horror, but with Scorn, like you can hear, like without even listening, you can hear the slurping and gurgling of weird things. It's like, it's like macaroni gone wrong. <laughs> you know, I don't know. There's just something about it. It's like, oh, yeah, like we were all grossed out at this scene. It's like pulling out ah, the gross umbilical no, thing. No, and... I don't know. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just something very specific about how this is designed. Like, a body horror, like, that's cool. Gore, great. Uh, it's fine. I'm fine. Anyway, but this one in particular, there's just something about how it's designed is a little distant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just. I don't know what you mean. It's just a lot. <laughs> Seems you know? totally fine. You know, it's it's yeah. so cool. Like I, I love the designs in this. The gun reload impressive. animations are so cool. Yeah. Like smart, you smart. stroke it gently and it reloads, and you're just like, oh yeah, give me that fleshy reload. Let's go. <laughs> they, <laughs> had, they had a concept <laughs> and they went for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like oh I have to like, wash my hands. And it is disgusting. <laughs> I think this just got. That just got clipped out and like <laughs> put on the internet. I hope so. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, so Scorn, remember, was that was in the original May 2020 third-party Xbox uh, next-gen showcase. It was one of the first next-gen Xbox games that got announced, and it's now two more years finally coming along. Uh, so yeah, this is it's it's gooey, it's gross, it's HR Geiger-esque. Uh, and it's Miranda Sanchez's Game of the Year 2020. No. They right finally now. put a date on it. Thank yeah. goodness. Yeah, and it's, per, you know, it's, it's right in time for Halloween. It's, yeah. it's a spooky it season game. So uh, We also had As Dusk Falls, which we've seen before, along with Gunfire Reborn, which was something new. Uh, I want to stop for a second on Pentiment. Yeah. That was, we talked about it on the pre-show. Josh Sawyer, renowned creator uh, such a great writer. Uh, he's done so much great stuff. I mean, Fallout New Vegas being probably the top of his resume at Obsidian. And uh, yeah, Pentiment Destin, a narrative role-playing game. Not what I expected the, at all. Yeah, the art style yeah. I think, was not what any of us yeah. expected, given you know we're used to Obsidian games being these kind of big AAA 3D things. And yeah. this is, we know it's a small team working on this, and, and it is, uh, it's, I, I kind of, I'm into this medieval, like, children's art book art style that they're, they've got going on here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. going through this and like actually bringing up Plague Tale, I love that these games take place in the past and sort of touch on historical moments. I'm hoping that Pentiment does the same thing here. It looks like they're utilizing like the art style from that time period. So I'm intrigued. I'll give it a chance. <laughs> but uh, I did not expect a side-scrolling RPG type game at all, you know? Un described as a narrative adventure in the trailer. And from what we understand, this is, uh, there's no combat in this game. It yeah. is all writing, which is what Josh Sawyer's really, really, really good at. So mm -hmm. this is out in November. So this is, this is a first-party game we have to look forward to this fall. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on this game. <laughs> this seems very much like a Ryan McCaffrey kind of game. Uh, Another game that, that we're, we're going to count it on this list because it's, it's been in game preview for quite some time, but uh, Stella Grounded yeah. is finally getting a full and proper release, and that uh, will be out this fall as well. That's, in yeah. fact, September. 
Yeah, that is a great game. And uh, I remember, actually, it's so funny, Destin, my boss, <laughs> if you guys don't know, <laughs> um, he was like, Stella, I need you to grab this game real quick. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you talk. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll work on that. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was like, I need you to grab you know, a preview of this. And I remember specifically, I was like, oh, this is a game with the giant spiders. I'm not a big fan of that. But honestly, even with the spiders and creepy stuff, I was like, this is a great game. Why am I here? This is so cool. And um, I'm a huge fan of Minecraft and survival games. So uh, being able to play something that was kind of cute, um, like you could eat acorns and like gather water from leaves and stuff. I'm like, this is so cute. This is a great world. Um, so the fact that it's finally coming out of preview, which by the way, I am so glad to see games actually do that because for the longest time, I know ARK was announced today too. Like ARK for the longest time was in early access and the beta. And when it finally launched, everyone was like, well, we're tired of this. We've seen this through development. There's nothing new at release. So I'm so glad that they kept the preview uh, very short as they did. And now it's full release. And I'm like, there's so much more. So I'm very happy to see this actually fully released. Yeah, and I'm, I'm eager to dive into it and see what the full game is. You know, this is something to look forward to. From Again, from Obsidian. So we'll get some some serious love from Obsidian in this showcase. So we've got like a minute before our next segment here. Real quick, Miranda, I'm gonna start with you. Of these 2022 exclusives that we just talked about, what's the standout for you? What are you most looking forward to playing from this list? High on life. Yes. That was totally funny. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, I'm actually pretty surprised by this, but also kind of excited that Riot's partnering with Game Pass. That, that's this winter, I believe, but that's a pretty big deal if you guys didn't know how much all the League Champions cost. Yeah, yeah. yeah no doubt. Um, yeah, high on life. Uh, I'm, that's, that's probably number one for me on this list, too. Yeah. All right, we need to take a quick break, but stick around because when we return, we're talking all things Blizzard. Brought to the showcase, of course, Microsoft is about to own Blizzard. So the IGN Summer of Gaming continues right after this. And welcome back. This is Podcast Unlocked right here on IGN Summer of Gaming. We're running down all the announcements and reveals, and there were many from the big Xbox and Bethesda Summer Showcase. As we all know, Blizzard recently joined the Xbox family, asterisk pending regulatory approval, and they had quite the showing at today's presentation. Let's start. This is host, this dealer's choice right here, because we'll get to Overwatch, Stella, I promise. Okay, but, okay. <laughs> uh, I do want to start with Diablo 4, because this game made me... Very, very happy. Uh, this, was, this was my game of the show pick until we got to the end, but we'll, we're going to talk <laughs> about that later. Uh, Destin, which character are you going to roll with the new Necromancer, or which of the five? Uh, I'm going to steal your Barbarian, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> we can, we can uh, have, yeah, we can be Barbarian bros. It's fine. <laughs> I, I'm playing Diablo Immortal Barbarians, right maybe? Oh, yeah, no. I'm playing yeah, Immortal right now, it. and I just did the, the mage or whatever, so... I'm, or Wizard, I think it's in Diablo. So that's what I'm playing as. And yeah, I just want to try something different. I just want to get in there and smash stuff. Okay. Stella, your thoughts on Diablo? It looks pretty. Um, I liked the character customization from what I could see. That was really cool. Um, I don't know. I think if I were to play, which I've never played a Diablo game before, but it looks really cool. Uh, Necromancer looks really, really interesting. It's tough to go wrong with the Necromancer. Yeah. yeah, going back to the older Diablo games, too. Yeah, also just raise the dead. Heck yeah, why wouldn't I? I can, I can, I don't really lose my friend if he dies, so it's fine, you know? Right. <laughs> Keep them with again. me forever. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> um, Miranda, what stood out to you with Diablo today? I appreciated that they were so upfront about all the features this is going to have. So like crossplay, progression, couch co-op, PvP, support for for years to come. Like they're just listing off all the things so that you usually ask about, right? You're like, okay, but does it have this? 
can I play with my friends on the other systems? End yes. game was brought up yes, too? Yes, the end game part I think was really notable because that's a lot of times when you get any sort of loot grindy game, you want to know what am I working toward? Like what's the options there? So them touching on that was just of course indicative of them knowing who's watching. They, they know and they understand what everybody is looking for. So although like Diablo is not quite for me, like this is one that I, I'd maybe play if some friends wanted to yeah. play. That's sort of how I treated Diablo 3 as well. I was like, oh, a friend wants to play. Not really my type of game, but I really appreciate the aesthetics. Necromancer looks pretty cool. Um, and I like the messaging. And also, hey, Rod, good job. Yes, <laughs> our friend Rod Ferguson, formerly of the Coalition. Uh, yeah, I was very pleased that all of this footage we saw of Diablo 4 was captured on a Series X. Yes. Because, I, I mean, I Diablo has been one of my favorite franchises since the original. I mean, that's, God, that's 25 years ago already, which makes me feel old. But uh, Diablo's been amazing. And... I, I never thought I would want to play it on anything but a PC, and of course you still can with Diablo 4, but then when Diablo 3, and particularly uh, the expansion, Reaper Souls, came to, to Xbox, it, Diablo plays great on a gamepad to the point where I think I actually prefer it on the gamepad, so I, I, might, uh, I might stick to Series X. Uh, for Diablo 4. Definitely rolling a Barbarian, I always do in every single Diablo game. But yeah, to your point, Miranda, I loved how they, they kind of quickly but effectively went over the scope and, and you know, they tried to answer all those, well, what about questions with Diablo 4? But I think the biggest surprise for me about Diablo 4, this is Blizzard we're talking about and they're not known for finishing things quickly. They're known for making awesome things, but they always take a while. And yes, Diablo 4 was announced a long time ago, but I'm frankly, I'm kind of pleasantly surprised that it's out in the next 12 months. You know, whether that's going to be May or June next year or surprise me and be a little earlier, but I'm thrilled that in in a year from now I will be taking a break from Diablo 4 to host this show at next year's <laughs> E3. That's where you'll find me uh, if you need me. But, uh, all right, we've still got plenty of time, and that means Overwatch 2 was our oh, other big yep. Blizzard topic. So, yeah. So, I see, so you are ready, you are prepared, like, okay. you are ready to <laughs> chat, let's do it. Yeah, so uh, it's so interesting to see a character that Destin was like, oh, we've seen her before, and I'm like, Kind of, <laughs> yes. So Junker Queen is the new um, uh, hero, and we've seen her throughout the Junker uh, town map and everything since, like, whenever that game launched with that map. So being able to see her kind of come to life, because for the longest time, the community was like, she would be such a cool hero. She would be a really cool addition. She's this queen of this town, and she's like a gladiator queen. And we got to see a little bit of that, and honestly, it was really, really good to see Overwatch bring back their cinematics because we've been missing any sort of content from Overwatch for so long. And what they did really well for a really long time was just being able to create these stories with their characters. I mean, they even had like comics going on, but then that just kind of fell off. And uh, it, as someone who played Overwatch way too much <laughs> when for, for a lot of seasons, um, I was disappointed with their lack of communication, but now it seems like they're getting back on the wheel with Overwatch 2. Um, and hopefully they are taking community feedback well. So it's interesting. Um, I actually got to play the beta and it seems promising. I really do hope that they do release a content roadmap because that is something that the community is going to want and they'll be like, hey, how is this going to be different from what happened to Overwatch 1? So yeah, that's, that's kind of my overall thoughts. Love Junker Queen, she's cool. I mean, I love my strong, badass female characters, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can we talk I, about Blizzard's cinematics for a second? Because they've always just been so good. Their, their cinematics team, I don't know how they do it, but going back to 
Warcraft 1 and even and up to today, their cinematics are always incredible. Like it, I would watch a like an Overwatch CG show. Like if they turned it into oh, yeah. a like just a, an actual like computer animated thing on Netflix, yeah. I'd be I would be all about that. The thing I really liked about the Overwatch 2 reveal was it felt like a reintroduction to the characters that we played as if you played at the beginning. And a reminder that things have changed and things are going to be a lot different in Overwatch 2 with how those characters play, while also introducing you to some of the characters you might have missed since the launch of the game. Now, I know a lot of players lapsed from Overwatch, so hopefully going free-to-play and allowing people just to be able to jump in and play and try out the new characters or the returning characters uh, will offer them uh, an easy starting point. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, the free-to-play option is going to be great. Um, I can't tell you the amount of times people are like, oh, I've been interested in Overwatch, but I don't want to pay for it. Yeah. And also, like, because then they're like, what if I don't like it? Then I, you know, I paid for a game I'm not going to play, so. Yeah. You still feel like it needed a sequel, though? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the kind of the state of Overwatch. Like, Stella, where, where are we? And I want to hear from Miranda on, on the Overwatch topic as well. Like, just what, like... Sum it up for people that maybe are seeing this and thinking, oh, I've heard about this game and, mm. and maybe are considering jumping in once this beta hits. Um, the current state is that it's, it's there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, like, it's there. It's, it's not changed much. Um, the 5v5 did get installed into the, uh, oh my God, the Overwatch League, so the eSports, which is great. Uh, so that is going to be an update that's coming soon, and, or I think is. I, I can't remember. It's, it's been a really long year already, okay? So many games. Um, but yeah, the, the 5v5, I feel like that's going to be implemented soon, is maybe going to shake things up for a little bit. I know when people played the beta, it almost felt like the launch of Overwatch again. Because a lot of people are coming in, they're like, oh, what's different? How does this feel? And it felt really cool to see a lot of my old friends who used to be at, into Overwatch like come in and play in my group with me. And I was like, this is awesome. This is what I want. But it's a new era. It's a new uh, meta. So it's very different. And it's Again, like the launch. So, I don't know. I, we just have to see how the launch is going to go. Early access October 4th. Miranda, your thoughts on Overwatch 2 here? I'm probably not going to play it. <laughs> like, and here's the thing. I, I liked Overwatch in that it was an approachable shooter. I think it was very easy yeah. for people to get into, like, learn. But it just didn't really resonate with me. Uh, and I think even with them relaunching this, I think it's very smart and basically essential that it's free to play. Like, in this market, you kind of have to be, especially with just... You're still paying for stuff yeah. in Overwatch anyway to get stuff. So like the, the entry fee felt really bad compared to other things. Um, and I think it's, it's good. I like the cinematics, again, just to kind of touch on that. That was really cool. I think we got some Mad Max vibes here as well, <laughs> so from their new character. But yeah. overall, like, uh, I'm, I'm happy to watch and see what happens, but not quite for me. Yeah, it's been interesting to me to see the direction Blizzard has evolved over the years. Like, Diablo yeah. has stuck around. WoW has, of course, stuck around, but like Warcraft as a strategy game and even Starcraft, kind of, you know, they're, we haven't seen those and I don't know if they're ever coming back. Yeah. But, you know, Blizzard is known for not necessarily breaking new ground a lot of the time, but, but doing a genre really well, like yeah. absurdly well. And I think, you know, there's, Overwatch has always had that polish. It's always had, it, as you said, it plays so well, but it's, it's, 
even if you're Blizzard, it's a competitive world out there mm -hmm. in, yeah. in team shooters. Yeah, you were talking about the state. Honestly, the only people that play Overwatch 1 right now are definitely the competitive people. So it's not even casual friendly, which is why Overwatch 2 needs to happen and the free-to-play needs to happen. So October 4th for that early access. All right, we're going to take another quick break. There are still plenty more games to discuss from the Xbox Showcase. When we come back, we're going to talk 2023 and what the first half of that is looking like. IGN Summer of Gaming. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Podcast Unlocked. We've been breaking down all the biggest and best announcements from the Microsoft and Bethesda Showcase. Now it is time as we looked at 2022, now that we have a concrete idea there, this showcase was all about the next 12 months of Xbox, so let's look at the other half, the first half of 2023. Uh, and Miranda, we have to start, I think, with your most anticipated game here, Redfall, yes. from Arcane. I'm glad we finally got to see the gameplay. I'm still a little bummed it got pushed, but understand. Uh, I think there's still a lot of questions here. It looks like we are missing a HUD for the gameplay, so we don't know how the powers work. A lot of times they're just like dual wheel, or just not dual wielding, um, you, you know, having to use both hands to make sure they're on the guns. Like we didn't see a lot of like pistol and, you know, something else action, which is totally fine. But it definitely feels and looks like an arcane game. Like there, you can see the similarities to things we saw in like Dishonored or Prey, which is awesome. Um, I think I'm most curious, again, to see a little bit more of the weaponry. I, there is a shot somewhere in there of, like, the customization, and I do want to see a bit more of that of, like, oh, how custom is it? What sort of um, abilities can you mix and match with weaponry? And I, there's something I noticed that was a little weird, too. I think, Stella, you were also commenting on this as, like, first-person shooter kind of person. Uh, when they do um, aim down to sight, so ADS, it looks really weird because it's like they hold it up, but they actually don't look through it. So if yeah. there's like a red dot side, like there's a dot side on some of these in these scopes, they don't actually look through it. I'm like, what are you? I wonder huh? if that could have been a, an artifact of purposely not having the HUD on for this, yeah. this uh, gameplay demo. It, it's hard to say because it, it looks totally natural with you have a pistol or something. But within this demo, it looked a little weird. But overall, it seems pretty neat. And I'm very excited to play this game. So it's, it's not that I disagree with you at all that it looks like an arcane game, but I actually was a little surprised, not in a bad way at all. It seemed more action-y oh, to yeah. me than, than other arcane games, uh, which I thought was, was interesting, and, and the action looked really good, don't get me wrong. Uh, Stella, this, they, were, they really emphasized that it's four-player, or you can totally run the campaign by yourself. Yes, actually, I'm so glad you asked that because I took that note, and I was like, so... This, obviously, people are going to make uh, callbacks to, like, oh, Back for Blood, or, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where in Back for Blood, you couldn't play alone. You could play solo, but you would have three other bots. So is that what's going to happen here? Because it seems like there are specific specialists that you can play as, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, how do you do this? How is that going to be, how, how is the solo experience going to be? Um, so it's, going, it, it's interesting because it does look like, uh, Left 4 Dead sort of gameplay, but with more mobility, more movement. Um, the maps look great, and I'm very curious about the world lore because there are different portals you can go a through. A different realm. It looks yeah, really cool. I love that. So this already has sparked my interest. It, this is not a disappointment. This is everything I thought it was going to be. Um, so very interested. But yeah, I, I don't know how the gameplay will be because there wasn't a whole lot of ADSing, so I wonder if there's like a penalty, like uh, if your mobility gets lessened if you do ADS in non So you see with like a sniper, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You see with a sniper, which makes sense, but everything else, I just kind of hold it up. And right, 
Yes, well, I'm really curious. We are su suddenly, I don't know how this always happens, running short on time. And yeah. death, like, <laughs> we, there's a lot of these other 2023 games, uh, notably one of the big ones, Forza Motorsport, spring yeah. 2023. Yeah, we have to talk about Forza Motorsport 8. That game was absolutely stunning. They confirmed there's going to be ray tracing in-game. And Ryan, you brought up that what we're looking at during that trailer is what we're going to be looking at when we, when we play the new Fable. Fable using Forza Tech, oh, developed God. by Playground. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there was just, Arc 2 was 2020. Flintlock, Minecraft Legends, Lightyear Frontier, which still I know we're out of time. We'll have to come back to Unlocked on a regular yeah. time and we'll have more time to dig into this stuff. So much. Uh, Diablo 4, of course, 2023, Ravenlock, Cocoon, Woe Long from Team Ninja. So I was really wrong excited about, about that one. I was wrong about yeah. Ninja Gaiden, sadly. Okay. But, uh, uh, you know, we are getting a Team Ninja game. So quickly, like literally no time for explanation. <laughs> Favorite game of the show, I'll go down the line, Destin. Forza, hands down. Forza Motorsport 8. Stella. No explanation. Light your frontier. Nice. I like that Good pick. Good pick. Uh, Redfall. Yes. <laughs> and I am going to go with Starfield. It, it did, uh, it, it's looking great. I can't wait to actually sit down and play it. Well, sadly, that just about wraps it up for this very special live episode of Podcast Unlocked. Thank you to Miranda, Stella, and Destin for joining me today. And a huge thank you to the live audience watching right now who tuned into the show. And of course, the tens of thousands of you who listen to us each and every week on Podcast Unlocked. Hey, we're going to be back live again in San Francisco. We're going to pack this thing up and head north for the Xbox Extended Showcase on Tuesday. That's at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. We'll have live, we're going to do another live show after. So please uh, rejoin us for that. And in the meantime, stick with IGN all month long for Summer of Gaming. Welcome. You've got Monsters lurk in the shadowy corners of the internet. Our darkest fears peer back at us from the depths of the web. We can <coughs> Hey, holy hey. Linda Blair. Are you all right? No. Can we maybe do this a different tone? Hey there, I'm Perry Carpenter. And I'm Mason Amadeus. On our podcast, Digital Folklore, we explore monsters, memes, and everything in between. Looking at our digital expressions through the lens of folklore, we break down the stories and communities we create online. And we try to make it a lot of fun. The show is presented in an audio drama style with a narrative and soundscape that's designed to draw you in. We weave insightful research and expert interviews with humor and storytelling. Come check it out. Search Digital Folklore wherever you get your podcasts.